It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever is at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, June twentieth, and you're listening to episode five hundred and twenty-five. As always, I am your host, Jason. Here today, joined by a couple people who've been here before, uh, that I'm happy to have back as a duo this time. We have Tim and Kristen Devine. How are you two doing? Doing well. Thanks for having us back, Jason. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, super excited. Yes, always. All you are, you are two of the people who I will never say no to about coming on the podcast. Even though I'm generally the one that asks you to come on the podcast, but we, we will never we will say never no. say no. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> So I always have a great time hanging out and chatting about stuff. Same. And uh, yeah, you two, as always, have been busy with things. Um, uh, just just bringing a, what felt to me like a secret project out of nowhere when you came to me and said, hey, do you want to try this game we're thinking about doing? Um, and then it turns out that the game I tried wasn't even the game that was going on Kickstarter right now. It was a different version of it. And you have like 77 versions of this game. It feels like <laughs> out of nowhere. Just like... <laughs> we're trying to keep it real secretive like i guess so i mean here play test this game and give us feedback not that game (laughs) 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 different version but um yeah so you two uh recently put uh the game color my quest out on um kickstarter Mm -hmm. uh and this game from the moment you you two first i was on another call we were talking about something we were talking about together and uh um from the moment you explained it to me, uh, I was like, I'm in. This sounds super cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I think I just want to dive right in since that's what we did, if that's OK. So, of course. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so tell me a little bit, of, like, give the listeners uh, kind of an idea of what um, what Color My Quest is and uh, and the idea behind it. Sure, yeah. Uh, so Color My Quest is a color and cut fantasy RPG for all ages is what we what we build it as. Basically, it's it's um it's a it's a role-playing game that has coloring and cutting out elements for your character sheet, for your companions, for for the map uh, and all that um, that you can color in as you go. So that's that's the that's the the core of of the game. And Color My Quest is a is a fantasy-themed role-playing game that we've launched. Um, but as Jason mentioned, um, the idea was bigger, was bigger than that. This is just the first, the first step, uh, starting with a storytelling aspect that we'll build on. And the first step though, being four, ver- like four different quests you can do as part of this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You've got yeah, the main so- book and then the other additional content added on to it. Exactly. Yeah. The, the main book is going to have the rules to play the game. Uh, it's going to have the uh, a starter quest, like you said, um, which has art and baddies and locations and a map and all that stuff. Um, but what we put in the core book was a how to make your own quest as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. blank templates, guides, things like that. Really not not like it's not a huge volume of text. There's, it's very accessible. Um, as with all of our projects that we've been working on, uh, especially lately, they're inspired by our own kids. We have two young kids and a four-year-old mm-hmm. and an eight-year-old. We do a lot of games with them. And most of the things we come up with are things that we wish we could have, that we had. Mm-hmm. We wish right, we had right, right. This, this kind of a thing. Um, and uh, keeping everybody, you know, of all ages uh, engaged at the table. Yeah, no, having kids who want to play games like this kind of stuff super speaks to me too, because I've always enjoyed simple straightforward games you know even if they're even if they're games that require you to be you know a a little more thinky like i still want them to feel easy to learn and and quick to play um even even if it's a strategy game you know and and so i i love to see what y'all are doing with trying to make these games that are accessible for kids and we had you on before tim for questlings and then we had Kristen on talking about adorablins Mm -hmm. um and then my daughter started collecting pins, and so we bought the Adora pins uh, <laughs> by Amber, who who uh, who did all the artwork for Adorablins. So, <laughs> oh, I love that she's collecting pins. Yeah, one day she just said, "Dad, I want to collect pins," and I was like, "You know what? Of all the things she's wanted to collect that take up lots of space, pins are great. Exactly, they just stick on a board." 
it's a good time so. to do that too since there's a lot of uh, of really cool pins being made right yeah. right yeah no i mean i went to i went to geekway of the west in st louis and i had trouble not buying like a hundred pins for her because like <laughs> there were just so many and picking was really difficult um not to mention i started off her collection with like 10 or 15 random pins that I've collected over the years from conventions that have just been sitting in a drawer. And I was like, good news. Right. <laughs> I can clean out my drawer and you can feel like you're amazing. Yeah, no, no, it's uh, it's pretty cool. So, um, so yeah, I, uh, so color my quest. I'm, um, I let's, uh, can we, can we do like a little, um, little deeper explanation of how the game plays? Um, because you know normally we pitch the game at the end but I'd, I'd rather with this one kind of give a a deeper explanation of like you know i know this is this uses a powered by the apocalypse system correct for the mm-hmm. um which we've talked about before it's the same type of system that you used for adorablins and um yeah yeah so just give like a little more explanation of like what a game session would look like and uh and then i think from there we can we can venture off and talk about a bunch of different stuff around this this whole topic I, there's a lot of neat things that we can cover around this sure um so i can start and then tim if you want to jump in sure um so yes it was inspired by pbta or powered by the apocalypse which is a 2d6 system um typical powered by the apocalypse games for any listeners who may not know are really rooted in um it being a 2d six system and playbooks right playbooks is like the mm-hmm. heart of a pbta and in my opinion, and moves, at least. Yeah. And moves, right? The play, the moves, right? Right, right. Um, so for Adora Blends, we wanted to strip that way, 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 way down because it's something we started playing with our son when he was about four. So we took out moves completely and we did like four stats and then um, kept the 2D6 system. So for this game, I love PBTA and I love moves. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm all about moves. And so even though we didn't necessarily add that back in, we added uh, abilities for people to choose from. So it's, I don't want to say it's more complex because I still think our four-year-old has played this game pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, She can hang on, you know, for a little while attention wise, but it's just a little more flavor that we were able to add to the game by letting, uh, players choose not only their hero, but also, um, their companion and then their abilities. So I like, yeah, I like that we added that piece, but as far as like gameplay and conditions and stuff, Tim, do you want to dive into that a little more? Sure. Yeah. Um, so we kept the, with Adorablins, we, we took, like Kristen was saying, we took PBTA and said, how can we get younger kids to play this? And also Adorablins had a couple constraints, design constraints, because we were trying to make it a pocket size game. It, it fits right, in a mini right. tin, it fits in your pocket. So printing things on the back of a card, so your character is on a card and you flip it over and you can see the things that make them unique on the back of that card that you can incorporate into the mechanics to turn uh, in like a struggle. Like in this game, when you roll the dice, the outcomes are either that you succeed in what you're trying to do you're 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 struggling which means you're almost succeeding or you're stuck mm-hmm. it doesn't work but when it, the key to the to these types of games is um probability wise you're going to get between that seven to nine struggle in your result and mm-hmm. so we wanted to make that fun the way that pbta games make that fun so give options um for turning a struggle into a success and the way that we did that in adorablins was by putting a couple cool abilities related to that character on the back of the card um, and then allowing them to also utilize their companion card to to help turn a struggle into a success. And then they get to narrate what that looks like. For, right, right. for Color My Quest, we weren't constrained by the physical components. That was a key right. to what we were trying to do here. But we also didn't want there to be dozens and dozens of little cutout things that are strewn about the table and then get lost. And so what we <laughs> right, ended right. up doing was a pretty clever method of you can cut out the actions, or sorry, the abilities, and choose two abilities for your hero. And there's, I don't know how many there are, 18 or something like that, maybe 24, I can't remember. Um, there's lots of different abilities. Um, and you choose your ability, and <clears throat> to use your ability to turn a struggle into a success, you use a hero point. And the hero points in this game aren't going to be separate components that are 
again, strewn about, lost, and all that stuff, they are part of your character sheet. So for your character sheet, you choose a character. They're on a half sheet of paper. You cut out your character sheet. You make a couple little cuts on the sides of the character sheet to indicate your, um, to separate the, these stars that you can color in that represent your hero points. Mm-hmm. When you use a hero point, you fold it back. Oh, when you cool. earn a hero point, you fold it forward. And the reason for that is it's all staying in one spot and it, it makes That's it easy. That's cool. Um, and it, it was a lot of fun to tinker with those components that way. Um, and uh, the other thing is your companion. So you can use your uh, hero point to use an ability to turn a struggle into a success. You can also use a hero point to wake up your companion so they can help you again. Because um, when a companion helps you, they need to rest. Yeah, makes sense. Tired. Um, though the, um, the other kind of interesting thing is with conditions, which are, if you get stuck, something goes wrong and you get a condition, you get to describe it like, oh, I got bonked on the head. I'm dizzy. Or the, the, the player gets to describe what happens. You can do the same thing with the hero points where you fold over your ability or sorry, your, your skill that you used when you got your, your, when you got stuck and you get a condition in it, which means you can't use that until you remove the condition. So everything mm, okay. is on the character sheet and interactive in a color cut and fold way, which is very right. like tactile, which is, which keeps, keeps kids kind of engaged in the game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no limit to the number of times. I mean, with something like this that you can play through, cause you could always just print a new sheet, right. And just mm-hmm. do it right. again. Right. So. Yeah. Even and the nice thing is, Oh, go ahead. I would say you can print less each time, right? Because like yeah. all the baddie tokens and stuff are still going to be there. So right. yeah, right. which is and nice. Part of the part of the design we we went through was making sure that you print as minimal amount of pages as possible. Mm-hmm. So the characters are doubled up on pages. The companions are 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 actually six to a page. Um, you print. You really um, you don't have to print the entire manuscripts <laughs> you know you're not gonna mm-hmm. you're not gonna destroy all your your ink or go through all your ink in one right, place right right um really it's just uh uh you know you could pull up the rules on a tablet um or on your phone even uh whatever you're going to use and the um the pages you print out are just the characters the companions the abilities and the map if you want you can print out the baddies on their own little sheets but you don't have to right 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 um so so one of the interesting facets about this and the whole idea of the Kickstarter was, you know, you all have done several Kickstarters before. And as everyone knows, when we were talking about before the show, uh, Kickstarters are stressful and uh, crazy. And, you know, I, and I think, I think to a point, keep people away because of being like, ah, it's just so much to do. And like, you know, I mean, you get this one shot when you put the Kickstarter up and I know Kickstarters can be relaunched and things can happen, but like so many times um, with a Kickstarter, if it fails, it fails. And I mean, there's a lot of rework that has to go into that. So, and it's even more stressful when you have to relaunch it because when you relaunch it now, right now you got to worry about, um, you know, how, what's, what's going to happen with that. And um, so you two, came up with the idea of doing this as like a super low stress. I think Kristen, you said not refreshing every five minutes, <laughs> having to <laughs> click refresh on the page um, Kickstarter. So what you did was you have a PDF only game or, or a Syrian game with a series of other things you can get with it that are all PDF only. And, um, and a, and a goal of only 300 bucks, which is, yeah obviously attainable i mean there's no way that's not going to make it and of course it did you're over almost to four thousand now so mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean i'd, I'd love to hear a, a little bit of the thought that went into that because I, I personally would love to see more things like this i would love to see more companies and individuals putting out cool stuff in ways that just doesn't have to feel like like this you know I'm going to get a little preachy here for a second on my soapbox about Kickstarter. Like, remember the good old days when Kickstarter was like the wild west and like (laughs) people with an idea could put it out there and, and get it funded. I mean, like a lot of times, like there are games that I remember funding that, that funded well, they would never make it today. Right. They just, they just won it. Uh Um, And part of that is because of larger companies coming in and using it. And I don't actually have any, any gripes about that. I, uh, some people do. I don't just because 
Um, I think there are a lot of different ways you can use Kickstarter, right? Mm-hmm. But but I do think that those larger companies have created this need where the backers will feel it's a need that you have to have this like very polished game that's going to have all of these physical things and and like in the, the the Kickstarter page has all these different things at it and like it's a lot, right? I mean, obviously you two know that, right? <laughs> Having yeah. done physical games before. So, so yeah, so I'm just, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, kind of hearing your perspective on how you got to this point with this and, you know, and yeah, yeah. And what your thoughts are on this compared to running one of the physical Kickstarters you've done in the past. Yeah. Um, so this is definitely much lower stress than Adorablins. Um, that says nothing about team that we worked with or the project itself, right? Like we had a lot of fun making Adorablins and play testing it. Um, we worked well with the team. It was really just that we had to, you know, we have taken into consideration all of those physical components. I think when you and I talked about Adorablins, Jason, we talked about how Tim and I, and then the artist Amber, um, discussed the game and talked about how we could make fulfilling it in our garage work. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were not going to add dice. We were not going to add, you know, and then we partnered with another publisher who right. had the manufacturing all those things. Yeah. Who had the manufacturing <laughs> relationships. We were able to, to manage all those things, but you really are going, I mean, you really are doing things like, like weighing your components and measuring your, and everything has to be so mm-hmm. precise. Yep. And I'm not saying that to put anyone off of Kickstarter because we did it knowing none of that, right? We partnered with the right people and we were able to do it knowing knowing none of that. So I, I don't say that to put people off of Kickstarter. I just want to give an mm-hmm. idea of what that project was like. Whereas this project, as Tim mentioned, we didn't want to do physical components right off the bat. Maybe later we will do a, a book or something, but we don't want to do physical components right off the bat. So it is low stress. The game is done. Mm -hmm. We have had a few stretch goals. Um, One of our stretch goals, a couple of our stretch goals actually were, you know, more art, more heroes, more baddies. Like the minute we hit those stretch goals, we started working with our artists. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I I remember you saying that offline and I'm like, that's fantastic. Like jump on it, get it going. That that's not going to, at the time of this recording, (laughs) let me be clear (laughs) at the time of this recording, that is not going to delay the game at all. So we're right, actually right. going to be able to get the game to folks in July. Right. right? So they will have it for, for summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that it's just nice that while Adorablins had, we had so much unexpected support. I, I didn't expect it to kind of be as popular as it was. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool that while those people who invested their time and money to back our idea and product, we can give them something in the meantime, right? We are Mm -hmm. actively working on fulfilling Adorablins. It's a very important project. But in the meantime, here's something else you can use this summer for your kids, right? Right, right. That was important to us too. In that, mentioning that, that's really neat because, you know, most, most companies who are just doing physical only do a Kickstarter. They move towards fulfillment. And then if it's their first Kickstarter, then they fulfill the game and then they do another one almost immediately. Right. Yeah. But like once you've been doing it for a while, you've got that trust built in where you can do a Kickstarter before it's fulfilled. You can probably do another one um, because people know that you're going to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in your case, while you've fulfilled stuff before and people know you're going to fulfill it, like what's i think what's what's funny is like you're able to say aha we're going to do this thing in the meantime and fulfill that yeah <laughs> because it's because it's not going to get in the way of fulfilling the other one and um, exactly yeah yeah and yeah, the- in a world of kickstarter i was going to say i think that's brave because you know people are always want to have the negative thoughts and feedback on things right so, right right and we with adorablins we we fulfilled very pretty quickly the digital component. So the Adorablins mm-hmm. is a physical game, but it takes time to print, to print and manufacture those. Of everybody, course, yep. everybody knows that, that, but the, we also incorporated a, phys- a digital component. Anyone who backed the game at a physical level got the digital game. Anyone who backed it just digital, they've already received all, all of those rewards. The Adorablins is out there in digital format mm-hmm. that you can print and play. It's all, there's also an Adorablins coloring and activity book that's out there. 
mm-hmm. um, which really did lend itself nicely to this project where we yeah. were like, right, we know right. we can do that. We know we know what it takes. We know if we, you know, when we went out and, and scouted for, for the right artist to work with on this particular game to sort of make this vision come to life, we knew what we were looking for. Um, uh, and we knew we knew that if if we invested and made the game complete, uh, aside from all these stretch goals, then when we launched the campaign, we didn't have to worry about okay, now we have to make the game. Right, no, right. All, right. All we have to do is use the the avenues that we've already created to fulfill it, to del- to deliver mm-hmm. it and distribute mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, and that that has got to be. I mean, speaking of low stress, I mean, not having to then manufacture or pay for a bunch more stuff, right? Like, obviously, like you know, a game like this, you're able to buy the art do all the design and stuff, the typical things you would do ahead of time for a game, but mm-hmm. there's not now this huge manufacturing bill you have to right. and then And then the miracle that shipping is where it could cost, right. you know, a bajillion dollars out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah. that... We've heard, we've heard the horror stories. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, yeah, we yeah. partnered appropriately for Adorablins to, to hedge against those, but yeah. for Color My Quest, we, we really, it's just Kristen and I, uh, and our artists that yeah. that are working on it, and right, um, right, uh, keep, keeping it small and stress free, so that we could make like a, just a really accessible and affordable game that mm-hmm. people could get quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was this yeah. was a big. Te- I mean, it was a test for us, Definitely. so we didn't want it to be an expensive, stressful test. <laughs> yep. Right, right. Well, and so I know. Speaking of test, when we had talked ahead of time, you know, you had mentioned this was kind of a market test, right, to see like yep. what is it that you know how would this you know because i remember when i first chatted with you about this you said we have no idea what the demand for this is right like we we have no idea if people will be excited about it or or what and so so obviously this market test is going all right (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, we're excited yeah i think we're both really i think we're both really happy with it um I want to see if we get it out there more when people start playing it, if they're talking about it or, you know, after doing a couple of interviews like this, you know, doing just a little bit more, I guess, marketing to Mm -hmm. get it to more eyes and ears and see what the response is, because we definitely have more we could put out this year, right? We definitely have that are, that are, that are close to being, close to being done. I mean, you play tested one. It just needs some finesse. It mm-hmm. wasn't quite as ready as this one. This one just came together. Right. Um, and again, because we have a small team, a fantastic artist, um, Tim and myself, we can, we know we can get it done right in, mm-hmm. in the time. So yeah, it's going well so far. We have eight more days at the time of the recording. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. And if, if listener, this is ending on June 24th, um, so listeners, if you're hearing this uh, on the first day, you've got four days left uh, or five days and then uh, four days after that. So um, please check that out if you're interested in that, because I do think that, um, yeah, I, I, I really think people with kids, especially over the summer, this really is a, a fun activity to be able to do with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and uh, hey, let's say that they're like, I got this and I, I don't want to play the game. It's still a heck of a coloring book. So yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. Yeah, so we tried many to make little sure things that to color. Every, yeah. every page we wanted to make sure there was like some, some sort of element that could be improved with color because um, sometimes you're just, you're just doodling. Why, yep. why not? Why not right, doodle right. in a, in a cool role yeah. book? And we really did. Uh, we really did do play testing with actual kids. Jason, I know your kids play tested it. Um, mm-hmm. And then we had some friends, some other, other friends whose kids play tested and we play tested with our own kids. And there was an early version of this game, uh, an early version of the, of the one you play tested. Uh, so it's slightly different than the one available now that um, our son who's eight got, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes into cutting out pieces and was like, Nope, this I'm done cutting stuff out. Oh. We were like, that's awesome feedback because now right. we know this eight year old, which means a five year old isn't going to do it. Right, which means right. a parent is going to, could be not frustrated, but if you're a parent, you know, right. You don't have 10 minutes to cut things out for your kids. They need to be able to do it at least age appropriately. Right. So we right. really did play test it and we really did like fine tune it so that I think it's a really good amount of coloring and a little bit of interactive cutting out, but it is not labor intensive by any means. 
Right. Right. No. And that, I think that's, I think that's really good feedback. And, uh, you know, because the kids are going to be honest with you about that. Right. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Like, well, that's not good. Yeah. They're very good play testers for these games. They're very honest. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 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 To to build on the, the different variations of the game. We our our, our original thought for color, my quest, which, which came very suddenly. It was like one of those like kind of spur of the moment ideas that just kind of, exploded and became like i became hyper focused on it Kristen did too like we're just really excited but the idea is uh to to not just have one style of this game but but to to have multiple across the tabletop game kind of uh styles so this is Mm -hmm. our bread i mean what Kristen and i focus on a lot is role-playing games, storytelling, mm-hmm. narrative-driven games. Even if there's a me- like a lot of mechanics, it's still storytelling. But we we know there's a lot of people out there that, that prefer uh, different styles of games. And because mm-hmm. our approach to this stylistically or whatever was more of like a, a classic JRPG video game like Dragon Age or Final Fantasy, like right, those right, are the right. feelings that, that kind of the art and, and design kind of... Uh, to us, at least, it's what our focus was, um, and what we've heard from feedback. That wouldn't it also be cool if there was a like a dungeon crawl style roll and move on a map kind of thing, which is what, mm-hmm. what you had play tested. Yep. Um, there, there's also um, uh, world building, travel, map, cartography that go along with those types of games. Mm-hmm. So teaching teaching a kid through a fun and accessible book how to do a map and locations and going on journeys and what happens in between. And then another one that's what happens when you hit a random encounter and it becomes one of those side scroller uh, turn-based, you know, JRPG (laughs) battles. All of these things can be created in this format, which is much more affordable and accessible and engaging for multiple ages. While Mm -hmm. we're telling a story with our eight-year-old and getting really into the scene, our four-year-old might drift off and not really be into it anymore, but they're still at the table coloring or they're still at the table, um, like moving around the different companion pieces and and they're Mm -hmm. there. They're not wandering away. And so- Like you can keep everybody there. So our we we started with Color My Quest, the cut and color, uh, color and cut role playing game, uh, but we also have several other designs that are ready to go using the same art concepts, uh, mm-hmm. new elements, new mechanics. Um, but you know, if this is again a test, see see if people, um, if anybody wants this kind of a thing, and if yeah. they do, then we have more. Yep. Right, right. Well, obviously, some people do want it. So, and I know, <laughs> and I know, when it comes to marketing, that has not been something you know. Like you've done a lot more of that with your previous games than right. you have with this. Um, I mean, how does that, like, how does that change your future expectations? So you like, how do you? Because, like, obviously, like when you talk about like a typical Kickstarter game or a typical Kickstarter thing, right? You advertise the heck out of it as well as it does on Kickstarter is as well as you can expect it to do, you know, it's actually, I think sometimes does better on Kickstarter than it yeah. does in the market. Right. Because so much of it has been advertised and it's, it's that FOMO. It's all of those things right mm-hmm. there. The hype. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But a game like this, it, it feels like it could be the opposite because you don't do a ton of marketing, you get some backers, but then, mm-hmm. I think, Kristen, like you said, you have to see what the word of mouth is and, and yeah. how does it spread after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What we, that I find interesting. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, what we what we originally wanted to do is kind of put it out there. Um, you know, we, we definitely funded. We're really ha- happy with how it's going. Um, you know, it's not it's not that our friends and family backed this game. It really is. If I look through the backer list, people we don't know. So I think that's positive. But then once it gets out there and, and there's word of mouth, um, then I think we'll kind of see how many more, more we want to make. I definitely want to make at least one more. Um, I think that if we did that at this time, again, at the time of this recording, I don't know that we would kickstart it. I think we might just put it out there for sale, you know, on our mm-hmm. on our website um, and, and kind of see how it does. So as long as, I don't know, for Tim and I, we have different levels of projects, right? And so Adorablins, especially because there was physical components, we needed to make X amount of money just to make yep. the game, just to pay yeah. the Yeah, oh, absolutely. 
Right. But for something like this, it's no one doesn't want to make money, obviously. But this is definitely like a passion project, right? Having kids play games and seeing that kids are playing and enjoying the game, um, I think is enough to have us continue to go and at least release one or maybe two more and kind of see how it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is the, um, so you mentioned, you mentioned that as of right now, as we're chatting, that maybe if you did a second one, you would just put it on your website for sale instead of putting on Kickstarter. I'm really curious to know what the decision point around something like that is. Yeah, I I think, um, we talked about this being a market test. This wasn't just a market test. It was a test on multiple levels. It was a test for us to see if we could do a, like a really low stress, low prep, like, like you said, out of nowhere kind of feeling like, mm-hmm. could, could, could it work? Um, because you, you want to look at the different um, uh, ways of, of um, selling your game. I mean, what, what mm-hmm. are the different avenues to getting your game out there? I mean, you could use drive through RPG, you could sell it directly from a website, you could use itch um, or, I mean, you could crowdfund. There's a lot of gum road, all these different, these different tools. This was just sort of a way of saying, would Kickstarter work for this type of a project? Mm-hmm. If so, do we want to do more of them through Kickstarter or is another road better? So I think we're still a little premature. I, I, obviously, we're both really happy with the way this went. This is yeah, you know, absolutely. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're thrilled and we're excited to put a really, really good product out there that people are going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, to answer your question, the things that are going to go into that decision making are going to be how much is it going to cost time and, and investment from us to, to produce the game? And do we need to recoup that? Because yep. really the kick, Kickstarters for raising money uh, tend to be, we haven't finished it. We need to raise the money right, so right. we can. Yeah. In this case, we can produce a fully finished game. But Kickstarter does have an algorithm and it does have a, a tremendous right. amount of ability to market it. it so yeah. and it, so if, if this works, and like you said, you'd like to see a lot more people doing stuff like this, so would we. We have lots of friends in the mm-hmm. space that make small games that are intimidated by large crowdfunding mm-hmm. projects. Based on our limited research <laughs> of this project, yeah. it's possible. Now, we're not disillusioned. We, we had a very successful uh, campaign with Adorable, and so we do have an audience that are focused on this type of a product for this age range. Um, so, so that's not me saying like, if you've got something, go out there and do it on Kickstarter. Um, right. Right. We have but I mean, if you make it a $300 goal, you'll, you'll probably fund. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Right? I mean, like and, that's, and, and being realistic, like when, when you see a project that has uh, 500 physical printed components and they're, and they're, uh, <laughs> their their funding goal is a hundred dollars or five thousand dollars or something like that. You're you look at it and you're like, how are you going to do that? Right. With something right. like this, it's like, well, oh, oh, it's actually just recouping some of the cost of the art. Right. <laughs> you know, because like we are designers, we are writers, we are yes. we do the graphic design. Um, right. For this, I even did some of the illustration. Yeah, Tim did like, some of the art for this. It's like we oh cool. We, you you can you can um you can leverage the tools you have to bring down the cost of, of your game to get it made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what you're doing is you're saying, I'm using crowdfunding to, to recoup some of that expense and sell, and sell the game and then getting it out there in other ways so that it can mm-hmm. continue to sell. So I think, I think that there's a lot of people that could probably do this type of thing with what they have now. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know you were talking about the whole like a five thousand dollar funding goal with all these huge components, and you're like, "There's no way." Um, I, I, there was a point where Kickstarter said they were going to crack down on that, and I remember thinking two things: one, good idea, and two, that's never going to work um, <laughs> because, like, yeah, how do you crack down on that, right? Yeah. Um, because I mean, if you're saying I want the money that I need to finish this, well, it's going to cost fifteen thousand dollars to print. I have ten. I'm going to ask you for five, right? Right. Yeah. Um, which technically isn't how it's supposed to work, but it can work that way. And I mean, obviously the truth is those larger games in general are putting a super low funding goal so that they fund. Yeah. Believing that they'll then go way above that. Right. 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 Um, I mean, like for instance, you said, you know, the $300 helps you recruit a portion of the art, right? I mean, right. you could say how much did the art cost? 
we're going to cover all that. But you don't need to because you already paid for it. So it's not like it will reduce the chances of you publishing the game. Whereas somebody with a huge game who only asks for five grand and gets it and not enough more can't publish the game. And that is concerning. Right. Um, Right. So. Yeah, that's definitely a, a difference in the projects, right? For Adorblins, we really did have to work together as a team and make sure that our funding goal was actually going to cover the cost of the game itself. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, and then and then everyone can talk and decide, you know, how much they want to be paid. How, you know, time is different, but the components itself, you can't mess with. You don't want to end right, up paying right. out of pocket for and And that. also, yeah, and also you're, you're dealing with... Um, what is that? What is that base level compared to the number that we're going to print? Because the quantity, you know, let's let's say we want to print five hundred. Mm-hmm. When we were originally mm-hmm. talking about Adormans, we were like, what, like two fifty, five hundred? Yeah. Like, how many of these are going to sell? And we were going to do it boutique style. Well, yep. when we priced that out, we were like, okay, so this is what it takes. But then when we partnered and we decided to do the full the full mint mm-hmm. tin manufacturing approach, we were like, well, we can't do less than a thousand because then right, it's just right. not manageable. Yes. Yeah. So like, we're going to have all these games left over, but we do have roads to, to retail. So, okay, mm-hmm. we're fine yeah. as long as we cover that. But then once, once we, we went closer to 2000 backers and retailers were, were backing it. So we knew that quantities were going to go up. We had to have those honest discussions of mm-hmm. how many do we want to print? Because right. that right. will reduce the amount of money that you make as, you know, yeah. that you take, take home, <laughs> so right. to speak. Yeah. It's the risk reward there, right? Exactly. Hey, we're going to print 3000 copies. And if we can't move this extra thousand, then we're going to break even. Right. Whereas we could have walked away with more money. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, I know that because like with, with the way that the world is right now, you, if there's another shutdown, then all of those sit in the warehouse until box stores want to start buying or, you know, not box Mm -hmm. stores, game stores Mm want to start buying again. And so it's like, even if you put out all that money, it doesn't mean like, oh, we did really, we're, we'll, we'll do really well in retail. You yeah. have no idea what's going to happen when you're, right. when right. you're new to the space, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, there are so many what ifs. And there's um, a lot of what ifs. That's true. Yeah. And, and of course that, that is your huge barrier for entry, which is again, why some, you know, I think projects like this are super cool because they are, um, you know, they're, the barrier for entry is, is much much lower mm-hmm. um, because you've completed the game so really you've you've crossed the barrier for entry now it's just getting people to to be interested in it right um so so i'm curious from a practical standpoint like so i'm and Kristen, you know this and i think tim knows this as well but um because as i've mentioned to people before i've actually you're helping me with a project i'm working on mm-hmm. um i um i'm curious so if i if i'm because one of my goals is to put out these little games um, that I basically can use for hobby games for fun. uh, But also I can use them with like teams and stuff in um, actual um, companies that I work with as fun things we can do. And so one of my goals was to, um, was to take this, uh, was to take these little games, put them on Kickstarter, get enough funding to make them, Right. Basically just enough funding to cover the cost of them, whatever that looks like, whether it's, you know, a couple hundred copies that I'm hand assembling stuff because I can get the cards printed somewhere cheap and then I'm boxing them myself or whatever, or I'm using the um, the hook boxes that I'm in love with, that sort of thing. Um, and then now basically then I've covered the cost of my games and Hey, if I was lucky, some more people wanted it. And I actually made a little bit of money off that. Mm-hmm. And then I can take that to the other side of my business and then use those games having, you know, basically covered my cost and maybe, maybe given a little extra. What advice would you give to a schmuck like me who wants to do that? <laughs> right? Like, um, because I'm not like, you know, much like you, I'm not looking to go, like crazy big on these Kickstarters. I want to create the small experience. Um, and I, I think some of the games I would, cons- I think all of the games I would consider a PDF version of them, mm-hmm. but I do want to have physical copies that I can use as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'll shut up now. Tell me, tell me what to do. Fix my life. <laughs> we, we are not experts in this environment. No one should be taking this as legal advice. Well, of course not. Of course not. But, um, I, I mean, I, yeah. one, one thing, one thing that I, that I would say, and, and this is actually relevant to 
what we're doing with Color My Quest is that we have lots of these ideas. Now we could have gone physical route. We could have done that whole thing and then waited months and months for the printing side of it and then seeing if maybe there's, you know, hoping nothing was damaged and all that stuff. Okay, coming back to where we are now and we thought, why not focus on one, do it well, see if there's interest. And if it does well, reinvest the money that you make over that amount that it costs to make the game into producing the ones that you that you haven't yet kickstarted or, or find, whatever you're doing. Because it, it, chances are, if you have more than five games, mm-hmm. one of them is going to be a standout as a, like, this mm-hmm. is one that I know right now, this climate, this is something that will work. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Adorablins is another good example of that from our from our catalog, which is we thought, okay, there are lots of parents out there that want a role playing game that they could take with them in the car that fits in their pot. Like all these things are like to us, they're like there has to be more people like us who want this. Mm -hmm. So we went with that. Now we had the uh, all of us had the discussion. Do we do we do three games? Do we do because we have these other ones made that are all mint and ready yeah. games right but right. what that would end up doing is it raises the amount of money that we have to raise so already mm-hmm. our funding goal goes up the revenue is going to go down which could be disheartening if it doesn't do well mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, and and the main thing and my and kristen jump in anytime if i'm if i'm babbling the main thing for me is it's confusing it's confused like we tried to keep this kickstarter with color my quest so simple that we almost didn't even put the add-ons for the adorable and digital game Mm-hmm. just so that we didn't confuse anyone because like, right, it, right, like right. everything should be as simple as this is what you get. This is what we're doing. We will do it. We, right. you know, this mm-hmm. is how we're going to succeed. Um, so, so I guess in a nutshell, uh, what is it? TLDR. Um, my, <laughs> my advice would be pick, pick one that you think will do really well and really pour some focus into it, launch it, raise the money, and then use that to fund the rest of them. Yeah. And then, Jason, I think you already know this, but just to review it in case people don't, uh, your price point, I think, is important. Mm-hmm. There are times when I look at Kickstarters, and this is not me saying that a game isn't worth it at all. This is just me 100% as a consumer, right? Mm-hmm. Not as like a designer or anything else. There are times when I look at games and their PDF is, let's just say, $25 just yeah. for PDF. Yeah. And I'm like... Now I have to stop and I have to think because it's twenty five. Right. How much am I right. going to play it? How versus the PDF is eleven dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to back it without even considering how often I'm going to play it. Right. right. So I just I think price and I, I again I think you already know that Jason, but I think pr- your price point is extremely important as well. I I totally agree. I this is something I've mentioned before on the show where like. When it comes to Kickstarter, I have two levels. I have, I want to back this, I'm going to back it. And I have, I want to back this, but I'm going to mention it to my wife first because it's expensive and I want to make sure <laughs> yeah. it's a game we're going to enjoy playing together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's if it's chai tea for two and it's like 60 bucks, I'm going to say, hey, do you think you'd want to play this game? And if she says yes, then I'll back it. Yeah. But if she says no, then I probably won't because who am I going to play it with then? It's a two-player game and we play two-player games together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that cutoff is 19 bucks. Like if it's $19 or less, mm-hmm. that is an auto back for me. If I have any interest in the game. Right. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I know for PDF games that yes, um, it may need to be cheaper than that. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, even looking at yours, like I got everything from yours for like $18 without any of the add-ons for like the adorable and stuff. Cause I right. already have that, but yeah. Um, and I was like, for me, it was like, okay, well, I might as well buy all of these things. And like, I one of the things I always analyze with Kickstarters is I look at their levels that they have, mm-hmm. right? And I say, what what do people back, right? So for yours, if you don't mind me dissecting this, is that okay? No, we, okay. go ahead. Okay. We look at the same okay. thing on other Kickstarters. Okay. Go, please go ahead. So um, you've got nine bucks for the Color My Quest Hero level, which is like the basic level. Um, it's got a starter quest. It's got the RPG book and it's got the stretch goals. You have eight backers on that one. Like, so like you've got, that's real low. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one is $12 and you get more stuff and only one person is on that level. Mm-hmm. And then the next one 
uh, is 15. And even less people are on that level than the eight. And then you go up to the 18 and boom, that's where 90% of your backers are at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that to me, that says it was priced correctly <laughs> because when you did that, everybody said, I see the value in, in this version and yeah. no shade or anything towards the people who backed at the lower levels. I'm sure nope. they had their reasons Zero. for that. Yes. Um, and it's totally understandable that people back at the lower levels. But when you look at those numbers overall, don't lie. Right. Exactly. Um, it's, it's like when you make a, a game where you have like a standard version and a like deluxe version, right? Mm -hmm. Like to me, the only reason the standard version should exist there is to make people see the value in the deluxe version and buy that. Or if they really don't want that, they just really want a bare bones game or if they can't afford the deluxe version. Yeah. But if you price it correctly, that gap is small enough that it becomes a no brainer, right? Like if mm -hmm. I can invest $40 in a game, I can invest 55 and just get the better version of it. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I always, that's one of my favorite things on a Kickstarter before I back it. A lot of times I'll just look at the numbers and go, mm -hmm. okay, so this is probably the level I want. Now let me go look back and see. And almost every time I'm like, yep, that's where the value is. I'll just get that. Right. <laughs> so yeah. yeah and our, and, oh, go ahead. I was saying, yeah, that's, that's really true and we look at the same thing in kickstarters the reason we priced it this way is because it's similar to how we priced adorablins and adorablins i don't think it was quite 90 percent. this is very heavy right we're we're mm -hmm. really i think like 90 percent of people backed at the 18 level for color my quest if not more if not more <laughs> i'm not if sure not if, more yeah yeah i'm not sure that it was quite 90 percent for adorablins but it was a lot it was definitely mm -hmm. people backed it at i think it was a 35 dollar level tim um well it was people people wanted the the mint tin game but for like four dollars more something like that it, yeah it, yeah you, you included the the hook box yeah. it's it, it literally box. like you were giving it away for free i remember yeah. like i remember messaging christian being like that was perfect because it was like why would i not add this all this it's another box like it's another yeah. box and it fits in the mint tin which yeah. makes it even cooler so right yeah and we we also didn't want uh so so the other interesting thing about how we did Adorablins, and it's like those things where you you have these hunches, you have team meetings, you talk about it. None of you are experts in this because no one had done it before this particular mm -hmm, game that mm -hmm. way. Um, but it worked and we were all excited that it worked. Um, and we brought that knowledge over here. So the core game is $9 because if you were going to go to a store and buy a coloring book that also had a game element to it, like it's going to be, if it's mass, mass produced, maybe mm -hmm. four ninety nine, but it's probably going to be closer to nine or ten dollars, and so we wanted to use right. that as sort of our pricing. Like you're going to get, um, you know, over fifty pages of content that allow you to play a game multiple times. Mm -hmm. All of the heroes are included in it, so we're not keeping heroes from you unless you back at higher levels. We're not keeping companions from you unless you know, and right. you can make right. you can make your own game with the with the core level. So everything you need is at nine dollars. That's the that's where we valued our product at because of right. our time, the art, what we what we think this is going to do. And then for three dollars more, you can get another quest. For three dollars right. more than that, you can get another quest. And this right. is so that we can add value of pre-written things you can follow through with new mm -hmm. art for the baddies that you come across and stories like these cool objects that you're looking for and maps that you're, that you're going to be searching for. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really like a, this wasn't a trick to get people to, to not do the $9 level. Agreed. It was more of a, like, if you want more content that's pre-done for you, it's not going to be much more expensive yeah. because we can't sell a twelve dollar, a twelve-page adventure for nine dollars. <laughs> no, we wouldn't right, want to right. buy that. Why would we sell it for that? Right, 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 right. Uh, and then the other thing, just like with Adorablins, any of our stretch goals are going to help, are, are going to help improve the core game that everyone has access to. Right, right. So yeah, and I think that's admirable. I, that's what that is a pet peeve of mine with Kickstarter's when it's like, you only get this. I mean, if it's like deluxe version only, I do understand that because sure. they're adding fancier things. But sometimes I've seen Kickstarters that are like, you don't get stretch goals with the lowest level. And I'm like, that's just, that's cruddy. Like that feels, yeah. that feels not nice. Right. <laughs> so. right. Everything that we're making, it, it, the decisions we make are based on 
what we would want to use with our family, with our yeah. kids mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. we would feel like we, we don't, we don't want to feel ashamed to, to, to give you that Jason, like with your, like, right. be like, yeah. Hey, Jason, how about right. you play this game with your kids? It's four pages and $25. And also right. just, just <laughs> sold just because we're talking so much about price points. Like it, we also should say, this is not our full-time job, right? Like right. we both right. have yeah. full-time jobs. So this is not our livelihood. So we are able to take that into consideration whereas i think Mm -hmm. when it's people's livelihood there's there's you have to weigh differently so i I just want to throw that out there that and i'll yeah i'll build on that too and and say that it's also based on the content of what you're what you're producing uh i've done i've done kickstarter i did a kickstarter with doug Lewandowski where we 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 designed a a game called agents of deception Mm -hmm. it was a very Mm -hmm. very small digital game uh, we had a lot of fun making it. We're, we're we're both game designers and we're both geeks and we and we're both dads and we both loved it. It was great. But we made that price point at five dollars for the digital, mm-hmm. and it's because the, we valued the amount of work we put into it. The 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 low. It was a very like no one would have known about it. We didn't market it or anything mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. and that was fine for us. But there are games out there that have that are role playing games that have digital PDFs that I can see the value in twenty twenty five dollars these mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. these games are well, they're more... books right yeah, i mean books. like they're not a pdf of a game it's right. like it is a book like a yeah. hundred page book twenty five dollars in a pdf isn't that that makes sense right that's not exactly. crazy at all yeah and and i think those are the types of projects that we want those products being made mm-hmm. and we want them printed and we want them in people's hands so that hopefully maybe they'll hit a shelf someday and more people can get into those types of games mm-hmm. so Part of it is backing it because you want to support or because you want the game. And part of it is backing it because you want to support indie creators making yeah. these games. So like mm-hmm. there's more to it than that. Whereas with with Color My Quest, this should not be the benchmark of how to price a digital PDF of a role-playing game. This is specifically a color and cut role-playing game that's family friendly. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about how much art costs in games, anybody who does games knows your art budget is going to be a huge portion of yep. what you're what you're mm-hmm. spending. Yep. Well, we don't have any color in our art. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, right. Right. So like that alters it right there. Uh, that takes less time for the artist to create. Uh, therefore, the price does come down. Yeah. So we wanted to make you sure literally... it was as high quality as possible, but also, uh, <laughs> it's a, that's a huge savings right there. Yeah. Time yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you actually made the hook of the game. The art is cheap. <laughs> like, it looks yeah. great, but like it's 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 made for coloring, right? I mean, and that's that's genius. And I like how you have that on like right on the front. Like it's like this beautiful like like color filled thing, and then a bunch of like empty characters with the black outlines and the in the white yeah. backgrounds. I love that because that tells you what you're getting into and. Um, you know, in, in my kids thought that that was half the fun, right? Coloring in your character is, is fun, right? Yeah. It's cool right. to do that. It, um, I was, I was cautious about it at the beginning. Cause like, I, I'm a, I'm not a graphic designer by trade and I'm not an artist by trade <laughs> or by any mm-hmm. training. So like I, I, I visualized it and I looked at covers of all these old JRPG video games, like mm-hmm. Suikoden and Dragon Quest. And I'm like, oh, these are so cool. But would it look, I don't think it would look cool with the black and white line art in the middle. That just... All right, I guess we'll test it out. And so, you know, off to Canva I went, and uh, John Merchant, who did all the layout and um, design uh, with me on um, Adorablins, and is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Squire for Hire is an amazing little game. Anybody should get it. Um, mm-hmm. John Merchant did the logo for us. Um, mm-hmm. So, so Color My Quest logo is a mix between a coloring book, activity book, kids logo that you would see. And a JRPG logo <laughs> exploding yep, yep. dragon coming out of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. So... And what's cool is the dragon almost looks like it was colored with like yes. crayons. Yep. Was that done on purpose? Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was done on purpose by by John, who who saw the vision of what we were trying to do and and delivered mm-hmm. on it perfectly. Yep. Um, but that that was like the okay, will this work? Will this? And then sure enough, it was like wow, that's, mm-hmm. that's exactly what I wanted it to be. Right. And and right. being able to use, uh, uh, oh, this is another thing that I don't think we want to get into, but anyone who's doing kind of low goal, low funding goal Kickstarters and stuff, generating marketing material, generating these images for your website and, and animated GIFs and stuff like that, 
-hmm. there are free tools out there that you can use to do that. If that's a right, whole other right. show that you want to do, Jason, call me. I'm glad to talk about it anytime. It, is but, that what you use to do your, um, the graphics? I did all your... of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, through again, not, not saying I am a great graphic designer. There are just tools out there that people can use right. uh, that, that generate this type of, of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, once you have your content, you can't like, right. you know, not have the nice art from the artist and the nice right, logo right. from, the, <laughs> from but the I mean, like you said, you know, you were able to save on art by, you know, making it true to what it wanted, what you wanted it to be, which is really cool. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. Normally you pay more on art to make it true to what you want it to be and you figure right. out how to save on it. So right. that's fantastic. Yeah. And also, and also like utilizing your own skills. Like, like I, I was learning how to do some digital art. I don't do, I, I'm not, I, I can't right now myself do the, the chibi style art that our artists mm -hmm. did. And I couldn't create that logo. Um, right. But I have been making maps since I was nine years old and I have been doodling right. those types of assets. So now that I have the, that skill set, it's like I'm able to contribute to, to games in that way. So all the, right. all the like little, iconography and and map assets and stuff are again not expenses that have to be paid out up front they're time they're my time going into it right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if they stink then i'll pay someone to do it better so you know. right 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 <laughs> yeah no i've had that i've had that feeling on stuff too like i'm gonna try and design this and if it's crud then i'll just ask somebody else to do it for me exactly <laughs> hire them exactly. to do it yeah, there's certain um, certain shapes that I was like, I can't do that. I can't, do that. <laughs> but someone else can. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, and this is it's just such a cool idea. And I, you mentioned, you know, that this is not your full time jobs. Um, and I think that that's one of the things about games like this. You know, these smaller games are these the type of people that want to do these games. Maybe it's a publisher who they do this full time, but it it's more likely to be people like us who. You know, we have something else we do um, in addition to this. And so right. that is what what that I think the beauty of that is it turns Kickstarter for this purpose back into just a creative outlet to put something out that you otherwise may not have been able to put out there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really, really cool. And I, I love that about it. Yeah. If, if, if you don't mind, I'd love to plug two other uh, sources creating this type of content. Yeah, of course. aware of them. Uh, one is definitely TTRPG Kids. Go to TTRPGKids.com. Mm -hmm. They they review and categorize family friendly games mm -hmm. and give them really thorough reviews. Not yeah. just not just like a, I liked it or didn't, and here's why. They have right, that, right. but they also do things like what age range do they think and why? And nice. and you know the, it's it's really cool. Like watching like with Adorablins and with Color My Quest, watching uh, their three or four year old actually seeing pictures of mm -hmm. them using the components seeing how they cut out the character sheets and mm -hmm. and folded and did it. it it's it's really cool so ttrpg kids is great if you're looking for games like this that are That's out awesome. there in, in and they're doing it in creative non-traditional ways where some mm -hmm. of these games might mm -hmm. be free some of these games might be on itch some of these games might be on their own websites right um, right the other one is storiesrpg.com uh storiesrpg.com has um it's Star Sworn is the name of it. I think they have three chapters now, and that is mm -hmm. very similar. It's coloring. It's a but this is a choose your own adventure style role playing game storybook that is that also has coloring components to it, um, and that's by uh, Luck of Legends uh, and uh, Stories Podcast. So and it ties into a podcast. So there's actually like a podcast yeah. you can listen to and then play the book. So StoriesRPG.com check that out very it's similar but but definitely stands in its own category um worth worth checking out for sure very cool very cool um yeah i'll have to check that out this one i have not checked out before so um i will have to do that i'd heard of ttrpg kids because of yes. you two um but um yeah yeah so excellent excellent well, this has been a super duper fun discussion and I've learned a lot around this and um, yeah, I appreciate you two coming on and being willing to chat about all of this. It's always yeah. a pleasure speaking with you, Jason. Thanks for having us. <laughs> um, and uh, for the listeners, remember you can go out there and you can find this for the next few days. And then after that, I'm sure there will be a uh, link on there. Uh, it'll probably be at Dice Up Games is my guess uh, where you would, you would find it after the Kickstarter. 
Uh, that seems like an accurate way to do it. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can of course go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. There you can find our Discord channel, a uh, link to it where you can join that. And um, you can come to our weekly meetups where we talk about games and accountability and things like that. And they're super fun. Um, you can also email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to find us on Twitter, the podcast is at podcastbtg. I am at J.A. Slingerland. Tim is at GM Tim D. And. Um, Kristen is at Kristen is no Jedi you can find us all there on the Twitter. Um, we also ask that you come back again next week and every week, but until next time, good night. Good night. Bye. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends, building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode. That's when it technically ends.